Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. You don't understand. This is a liar. How can you think that I'm her dad, but we both look exactly the same age? We do not look the same age. I was being kind. Wait, I'm going to hypnotize him. I hereby christen this mutton Barbie camper. Priscilla, queen of the desert. Hello and welcome to this episode of Pop Goes the Tam Tam. In this episode we will be discussing theories about the 60th anniversary special episode World Blue Yonder that is set to air tonight in the UK and with a bonus discussion of last week's episode Star Beast. For this episode I am of course joined by a very special guest. Announce yourself special guest. Hello, it's me, Tamsin's mum. That's right, Tamsin's mum is back. She's the whole reason why I ever started watching Doctor Who in the first place. So I'm of the, course. I'm, I'm the, yeah. Sorry, she's trying to say something. What are you trying to say? I was just gonna say, <laughs> I am responsible. And what do you think of the weather? Pardon? <laughs> that sentence without breathing i'm responsible and what do you think of the weather are you responsible for the weather as well because if you are do something about it because it's cold and foggy and grim it's freezing fog it's horrible i've got a friend who's in rome this weekend and i'm so annoyed her mum took her to rome (laughs) hint hint (laughs) we could do a broadcast from rome i'm just saying it we yes. could do that. Okay, so, pulling it back in. <laughs> <laughs> Which is never easy for us. <laughs> but the Italian tourist board are probably going, no. <laughs> <laughs> they will not sully our airways. <laughs> we actually have a couple of Italian listeners, so... Hello to you. Buongiorno. Oh, and i believe that was the correct pronunciation as well (laughs) okay so let's stop harassing italy and talk about the star beast what did you think of it you go first well i already did a podcast last week oh yeah hint hint with a very special guest lance from conversations on eagle mountain i advise everyone to go and listen to it again if they haven't listened to it already he's very good he's very good i'm very good (laughs) good thank you mother (laughs) now what did you think about it well i wasn't madly keen on the introduction with the face to camera stuff yeah i thought it was a bit it was contrived and I didn't really see the point of it. And I know you thought the Donna part was okay, but I didn't think that was necessary either. Mm. And it took me out of, because I was looking forward to, see, to to watching it, the whole special, but it took me out of it a little bit. I agree. We kind of spoke about this, Lance and myself, last week. Oh, did you? We talked, you mean you don't listen? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to sound, you know. Like you're not my other listener. (laughs) (laughs) So we we talked a bit about it last week and we said that we felt that who was this for? Who was he talking to? Exactly. And on my podcast last night that I recorded a podcast last night with Jack, friend of the pod, he had an idea that it might have been interesting if the pullback reveal was that the doctor 
was talking to the master. Nice idea. Because who else could you talk a problem like that through? I mean, hypothetically, the doctor could have said to the master, what if I, what if there was a metacrosis and I quantum locked someone's memories and I wanted to unlock that, but without killing them? And we've kind of seen them have that conversation before with the 12th Doctor and Missy when they were talking about how they could save Bill when she was like the transceiver of that different world order yeah and she she basically said to him you can how i did it was i pushed her into a volcano you're gonna have to do the same thing and i think that could be an interesting call back to that conversation and also who else is going to understand this than another time lord yeah because as it is it looks like he's sort of shouting to the void really he's opened the door of the tardis and he's out in the middle of nowhere and talking to nothing doesn't make a lot of sense really does it to me, it actually felt worse than that. It felt like he knew it was a TV show and he was talking to the audience. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I'm just trying to give it some context. But that's what I felt as But well. it broke. It, so I don't mind the fourth wall being broken. I think you can do it in good ways. And I think you can do it in good ways in sci-fi. So, for instance, obviously, one of the best fourth wall breaking shows was Fleabag. But that was broken in a way where we were her confidant. We had access to her inner thoughts that the rest of her friends and family didn't know anything about. And the reveal at the end of series one was she's also been lying to us as well. And that was really, really an interesting use of the fourth wall. And especially, and this is spoiler, at the end of series two in the finale, we kind of go to follow her as she gets up from the bus stop And then we watch her recede into the distance without us. We Mm. have been her main confidant, her main companion, and she goes on now without us. We don't have that access to her anymore because she's finally decided she's going to be authentic and as truthful as she can be. And that's a good way to do the fourth wall. We also watched Deep Space Nine not that long ago and they had an episode where Worf was on trial and they had different characters breaking the fourth wall as they talked about their experiences with Worf or what they would do in a situation. And that was really well done. So you can do it in a sci-fi context. It's just, this felt like maybe this wasn't included in the script in the beginning and maybe script notes were, you haven't given enough background on what's actually going on. You're just jumping straight into the episode and we need a bit of background for people who maybe haven't seen it before or it's been a long time since they saw it. Because like, let's be real, not everybody has got time to slam a series four episode rewatch. So you may have forgotten parts of this. And I understand they wanted a way to sort of catch you up quite quickly, but it felt so contrived. One thing that stood out for both of us was the humour. I enjoyed the humour. It was very good. All the jokes landed. I loved the the parcel joke. Mm, yes, yeah, the keep me. was clever. <laughs> I, I think all the way through, I love the chaos with the family. Sylvia, let me in. It, the whole thing was just really funny. Parts of it. Now, this is going to sound very highfalutin, but I thought that whole kitchen scene felt almost Shakespearean with the fact that so much was going on at the same time. With so many people. And there were lots of points of view that you kind of clicked into, so at different times. So it really started in the shed with Rose 
and the meep and the meep looking at all the toys and then it went to the garden with Rose trying to contain Donna who's just discovered the meep and the meep and then from then we work our way into the kitchen where the meep is now clinging to the leg of Donna Rose is trying to manage meep and Donna, <laughs> Sylvia then joins the conversation and she's going, that's not real. This isn't happening. <laughs> <laughs> and Donna's like, well, it is. I can feel it on my leg. <laughs> and then the we, the doorbell. So then we, we follow Sylvia as she kind of marches down yeah. and we see the doctor's face and it's just, it's brilliant. It's like a whirlwind. It is just like a world it's just amazing and the final uh, the final gag is when sean comes in and he's like smells nice and sylvia goes tuna madras curry yeah. <laughs> it's so good it's so good and i mean for me there was a lot of bang bang shoot shoot in this episode and you mm. could see that disney had spent a lot like the money that disney has injected into the show you could see it on the screen it looked great but it hasn't lost its heart of chaos no not at all and i think that's what russell t davis does so well excels at that those comedy moments that you were just like this is insane (laughs) it it was an absolute joy to Mm. watch yeah and i think something that he does so well is he pairs seamlessly comedy and tragedy Mm. They are very much within all of his writing. And just like life, something that's tragic can turn comedic and something that's comedic can turn tragic. And it often turns so quickly that you don't really have time to adjust. But his writing in that way is sublime, I would say. absolutely. With Sylvia, she was so desperate for Donna not to see the Doctor. Yeah. And although we thought it was funny, for her it was desperate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it really was. This is a nightmare for her. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and I've She's got... completely out of her depth. Yeah. And I've got to say, I think, you know, Sylvia was not a great mum to Donna. She loved her, but she loved her in a very flawed way, I would say. Mm. But Sylvia has definitely been recuperated in my eyes in this episode because you could see what a great grand she was. You could see that she yeah. is a better mum. Yeah. That lovely little bit when um, when the, Donna and Rose have come back from shopping and she was bullied in the street, Rose, verbally by those boys. Yeah. And when they're on their own, Sylvia and Donna talk about it. Mm. And it was a nice little touch. Yeah, it was. it was, you know, all parents have had those sort of talks. I think this goes back to how everything, all the puzzle pieces of this episode slotted back together perfectly so well. the chemistry for all the characters and even new characters like i know we met sean in at the end of time yeah. but we didn't really know him i don't think he had any lines of dialogue so to me he's kind of like a new character and he fitted in so well and i think rose also fitted in really well they yeah. felt like a real family they did and I've got to say, if it's one thing Russell T. Davis does, it's put families together really well. Yeah. Having watched this, I'm really excited to see what he does with Ruby Sunday. Mm. Because that's going to be cool. What would you give this episode out of 10? Truthfully, I enjoyed it very much. So I would give it a solid eight and three quarters. 
Brilliant. I mean, fans of the show will know that Tamsin's mum rarely strays towards a 9 or a 10. No. So this is high praise coming from her. And what did you... <laughs> what's your... Oh, I think I gave one last week. I think I'm in the same area as you. I don't know what it was, but I think I'd worked myself up into such a state of excitement <laughs> that I thought it was going to be better than it was. Now, that's not to say it was bad, but it just didn't have... There was just something that was missing. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just that, although it was presented as the 60th, it felt very much like a hurrah for new who. Yeah, and I because I've got some serious reservations about the way the 60th is going. Okay. Um, and I don't want to be a bit, bit of a misery about this, but uh, Doctor Who it is the 60th. And mm. I can say from my... I've seen... 60 years of it mm. and you are that old I am that old <laughs> and the thing is a fan of David Tennant I am mm-hmm. but David Tennant is not 60 years of the doctor mm. and that's my main reservation I really hope they just don't concentrate on throughout the, the, the episodes to come and I know they're only two there has to be some homage to the 60 years because it's yeah. one hell of a monster. Yeah, and I think it has to be more than stuffed toys and, yeah. y- you know, an extra from unit. Yeah. Yeah. It would be a, 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 it would be remiss if that was the case. Yeah, I agree. And I would be bitterly disappointed. Well, it just fe- it's starting to feel a bit like the 50th again. Mm. You know, and I'm going to go back there the centenary so far seems to be the one that have put all of these pieces together and it's worked really well. We had the we had the old companions in the companion meeting group. We had yeah. old doctors who are still alive turning up. It felt, you know, so for me the high water mark is still the centenary special. Yeah. I, and I, I never I'm... thought I would say that about a Chris Chibnall penned episode. But I, I'm in total agreement with you. Hmm. Okay, so hold on to your hats, dear listener, while I change the side of the tape. Yes, that's right, we're analogue here. (laughs) (laughs) And I bring you some of our theories about Wild Blue Yonder. The synopsis for this episode is as follows. The TARDIS takes the Doctor and Donna to the furthest edge of adventure. To escape, they must face the most desperate fight of their lives, with the fate of the universe at stake. So pretty scary epic stuff there. I have seen an article rolling around the internet, which basically said that Russell T Davis had categorised all of his, all of these specials, so the one we had last week, Star Beast, he said that was the sort of ordinary one and that this one's going to be the sort of crazy wild one. So with that in mind, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because this one is the one that I have seen not much written about and I actually don't know much about this one at all. Okay. So we've come, we've kind of scrabbled around, put some theories together, or, I mean, these aren't even really theories, these are just things that we would like to happen in the episode. And the thing I want this to be, really, is a maybe a companion to Midnight. Yeah, that'd be great. Where it's just the Doctor and Donna, mm. 
and maybe completely on their own. I know that there's a robot involved in this as well, but is that robot malfunctioning? Probably, because it looks cute. So it's probably not evil, although we kind of learned last week not to judge a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> it probably is evil. And I would just absolutely love to have Catherine Tate and David Tennant act their socks off the way we saw Peter Capaldi do in Heaven Sent, where the demons are actually themselves and parts of their personalities and things they haven't dealt with. And I I just think it would be an amazing masterclass. And like I say, one of my favourite episodes is Midnight because the acting is so good in that. Yes, the Doctor's surrounded by other characters, but they are so on their own and it's so scary. It's one of the most scary episodes ever of Doctor Who because it just emphasises what an alien the Doctor really is and how useful the companions are as a buffer to that character. But as I say that, something I have seen floating around the internet is that Peter Capaldi and Matt Smith are due to reprise their roles as the Doctors in this. But they're not going to be the Doctors, they're going to be evil versions. I really hope that that is just absolute rubbish. Fan-made rubbish. Because I wouldn't like that. And the reason is, it's kind of saying then that the only true Doctor is David Tennant. No, I wouldn't like that either. No. It would be so... No, it's just, no. And it just, it kind of alienates everybody else. Because let's be real, if you're not a David Tennant fan and you're a fan of any of the other Doctors, like, and I'm not talking about old Who. No. I'm specifically now talking about new Who. Yes. If you're a fan of Christopher Eccleston, who is never coming back, let's be real, or Matt Smith or Peter Capaldi or Jodie Whittaker, this is kind of a kick in the face. To you the only way they come back is as evil versions of the doctor who is truly only david tennant i mean not only is it kind of a kick in the face but it's also saying this is it all other doctors are can't measure up to this one and where does that leave shooting good question where does that leave shooting yet because that's the hot that's the specter at this whole 60th anniversary feast we felt that all the mm. way along yeah yeah and it's it's not good. So you actually had a good theory that this might go back to the William Hartnell era story, the Space Museum? Yeah, but I think this is a, a derelict place. Whatever it was, um, it's just uh, run with a skeleton crew probably. And... Yeah, or maybe just a malfunctioning robot because yeah. that would go back to the sort of Madame de Pompadour story. Yeah. So... Yeah. I can see what they're doing, where they're tying all these threads together. So, I mean, potentially, could we be on one of those ships that they were trying to get lifted up? Because Deep Breath, those robots reoccur in that episode as well. Yeah. So, are we... Because we've never... Yeah, I think we were on that ship, weren't we, in Madame de Pompadour? And it kind of looks kind of similar. So, maybe... There's also an archive element to this. I think they end up with filing cabinets and it's an archive. So, yeah, there's a sort of... Lost lost library element to it. Yeah. Mm. And then obviously we know about, you know, 
Donna Noble being saved in the library. In the library. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but with this one, it kind of reminds me, when I was little, do you remember I had that story about the sheep? Yeah. used to read it to me. Yes, yes. And there was this one bit that always creeped me out, where it was, um, it went to a lighthouse, and there was this long table, and it was all set up for food, but there was nobody around. And I always find stories like that really creepy. Well, they are creepy. (laughs) Because it's like, where are all the people? (laughs) It should be here. Yeah, so this has got a cool sort of Marie Celeste vibe. So there's nothing left for us to do other than watch the episode. Looking forward to it. Same here. And for fans of the podcast, I will be doing an unhinged review tomorrow with fan of the podcast, Alan. Hooray! <laughs> Hooray! So tune in. I mean, it's not a radio station, obviously. It's it's a podcast. You can just listen to it whenever you, you know, whatever. You know. Anyway, I'm going to leave now. Bye. Bye. <laughs>